brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. Yesterday I reported on the initial rumor from Mr. Robert Moynihan of InsideTheVatican.com about the reported coming ban of the Latin Mass at the diocesan level across the entire universal church. Today I have an update from him on this story. I'm going to also give you some insight into the binding power of this document, since the, the reporting uses a lot of lingo that you might not be familiar with, because it's going to be reportedly published in a form that bears much more canonical and magisterial weight than Traditionis Custodis had, so it needs some explanation. Finally, I will close out with some possible guesses on when this could be released, given new information here and Francis's track record on it. So let's actually dive into that because this is uh, needs some clarification. Let's start here with Mr. Moynihan. The following is a letter that he published late going into the weekend about the possibility of a coming Latin mass ban. Robert Moynihan received an email from a priest in a traditional religious order. That priest passes on to him what he heard from an archbishop, meaning this is secondhand information before Mr. Moynihan published it. It may be true. Probably it is true. But it is worth noting that it is secondhand information, and it's not from Rome itself. So with that, here's the email that he published on his website, InsideTheVatican.com. Quote, Hi, Robert. As we both know, there are no quote-unquote secrets in Rome. So without revealing the identity, I can tell you that an archbishop in the United States has seen this document about which rumors abound, and confirmed to a priest friend of mine, who is a person of true integrity and would not casually spread rumor that it does indeed contain what some have guessed at, a further suppression of the traditional Latin Mass, with an exception for religious orders who solely celebrate privately, no parish churches, and some possible further clarifications for the FSP. Here I think he means the FSSP, the Fraternal Society of St. Peter. It was found necessary to issue this second letter because of the lack of implementation of Pope Francis's motu proprio by a good number of bishops around the world by using Canon 87, etc., which permits bishops to ignore decrees of Rome. It is scheduled for release sometime in April or May and would carry the quote-unquote weight of an apostolic exhortation to match that of St. Paul VI formally establishing the new rite. It would effectively take away from the bishops any further say or exceptions in the matter. If issued, I believe it will push the traditional Latin Mass, the TLM, underground and further add to the ranks of the Pius X Society, the SSPX, which has already grown by three times since, since the issuance of the Modu Proprio, Traditionis Custodis, by Pope Francis. This will not end well. The TLM will survive. Whether any Catholics will continue to go to a further watered-down Novus Ordo, which is also supposed to be a part of this document, will remain to be seen. Attendance at weekly Sunday Mass by Catholics is currently at 12% in the United States in most dioceses. It is 2.5% in the Netherlands. If I learn of any further information on all of this, I will be sure to send you an update. God bless and thank you for all you do. From a priest who belongs to one of the traditional orders, end quote. And by traditional orders, that mean this is a priest who's probably a monk or a friar. Now, it's worth noting here one inconsistency in the two reports from Mr. Moynihan, the one from yesterday and the one from today. The first report said that this decree from Francis will come in the form of an apostolic constitution. And the second letter I just read to you said this would come in the form of an apostolic exhortation. 
what does all that mean? What because this you're getting into inside baseball stuff for the Vatican. Here's the simplest definition of an apostolic exhortation. An apostolic exhortation is a magisterial document written by the Pope. It's often argued that apostolic exhortations rank third in importance of papal writings after apostolic constitutions and encyclicals. It's essentially a pastoral message the Pope sends out to Catholics to highlight key points about a particular issue, and it ranks ahead of motu proprios, which is what Traditionis Custodis was. Usually the Pope writes apostolic exhortations after consulting with bishops who participate in relevant synods, but that's not always the case. Likely he consulted with Cardinal Roach here. An apostolic exhortation establishes a clear direction for Catholics to critically address issues that are being discussed within the church and in modern society. Apostolic exhortations have the binding force of law, meaning the bishops can't do much about it. Apostolic constitutions are the most powerful documents popes can issue. Here's a quote from a website that I've cited before on various canonical matters called Catholic Straight Answers on apostolic constitutions so you can understand that this is meant to take away the ability of bishops to resist Francis's efforts to smash the faith and all of our links to the faith as it was before the council. On the question of what is the difference between an encyclical, an apostolic constitution, a papal bull, and a pastoral letter, the uncredited author, probably the owner of the website, a Catholic Straight Answers tells us, quote, each of these titles has a certain nuance which distinguishes them from each other. An apostolic constitution represents a very solemn pronouncement issued by the Pope on a doctrinal or disciplinary question. For example, Pope Paul VI Apostolic Constitution, Massale Romanum of 1969, promulgated for the whole church the new missal to be used at Mass. That was what promulgated the Novus Ordo Missae. A less weighty matter may also be addressed by a modu proprio, like Traditionis Custodis, which is similar to an executive order. A papal bull is a very dramatic way of presenting such a solemn pronouncement. Written on parchment, a lead seal, bulla, is attached with cords of silk. On one side of the seal would be the image of the reigning pope, and the other side would bear the images of St. Peter and St. Paul. For example, the dogma of the Assumption of Our Blessed Mother was issued through the Apostolic Constitution Munificentissimus Deus in 1950 in the form of a papal bull. Even the wording indicates the solemn and definitive nature of the teaching. The document, the one in 1950, begins, quote, The Apostolic Constitution by which is defined the dogma of faith that Mary, the Virgin Mother of God, has been assumed into heaven in body and soul. Pious the bishop, servant of the servants of God, for everlasting remembrance, etc. End quote. What did that mean in plain language? Francis using an apostolic constitution would not mean it was an infallible act, since the only acts protected by papal infallibility generally have to do with the definition of, of as yet to be defined dogma or clarifying dogmas that exist. But it is binding on those the document is aimed at. And since we are talking about the liturgy and specifically diocesan masses, that would be the bishops. That's who this document will be aimed at because they're the ones who have to enforce the papal will. An apostolic constitution would have the power of forcing your bishop to end the diocesan offerings of the traditional Latin mass. For the time being, it would probably permit the FSSP, the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest, 
and similar groups to continue to operate in the dioceses, but with more restrictions, but would functionally end the traditional mass offerings by force of law with no loopholes like Canon 87 for the bishops to be able to ignore. Those who do ignore the apostolic constitution risk losing their office. And Francis has in the past year removed bishops from their office already for not following his various orders. The best example I can give you of this is Bishop Daniel Fernandez Torres of Puerto Rico. He is a prime example of what happens in Francis's synodal church of the new advent if a bishop does not fall in line with all of his decrees, no matter how destructive those decrees are. This coming act of Francis, if it is true, should be compared to all his talk of synodality. Behind his talk of a synodal church, which allegedly is one that dialogues between the bishops and the laity, where the laity have greater importance in the running of the church, is this truth, a demand that our traditions be abandoned in the name of that same dialogue and listening, especially with the wider world. Francis made this clear story that seemed minor that came and went this last week with no fanfare. It comes from a website called therecordofnewspaper.org. And in their article on it, it details a meeting Francis had with members of a lay religious fraternity of some age. His words on their organization are mostly unremarkable, which is why the story went without being noticed, except for when he starts talking about synodality and the need to update how we do things. So from that article, quote, Francis told the representatives that popular piety, expressions of faith blended with specific cultural elements, is a, quote, powerful force of announcing the gospel that has much to offer men and women of our age. However, he asked them not to be afraid to, quote, update their old traditions, quote, in communion with the path of the church. He also referenced what he called, quote, the best text on popular piety, Evangelii Nuntiandi, Paul VI's apostolic exhortation on evangelization in the modern world. Written after the 1974 Synod of Bishops on evangelization, it elaborated on the role of all Christians, and not only the members of the clergy, in sharing the gospel. The Pope praised the contribution of confraternities in the church as a, quote, centuries-old experience of synodality through their, quote, fraternal dialogue characterized by an environment of prayer and sincerity to organize and manage themselves, end quote. That right there is a pretty succinct summarization of his hatred of the apostolic mass. At least it gives you the underlying idea behind why he hates it. Francis has repeated in the past the lies that come from mostly Protestants about the mass, that it is clerical and rigid, too priest-centered, leaving the laity out of the mass as participants not hearing things in their own language. All of those attacks on the mass are also attacks on the intelligence of the laity and their capabilities. Our ancestors understood what was happening at the mass way better than most of us do, even if they couldn't read or speak Latin, because in those days, the church and families took the time to teach the faith to their children. It's a novel concept. I wish we would get back to it. People understood the Mass. They knew what was happening at the Mass, even if they didn't speak Latin. It is one of the great lies of history to say that they didn't. Now, in our time, the data shows that most people don't even understand the nature of Christ, let alone what the Church is, says is happening at the new Mass, let alone at the old. 
In our time of near universal literacy on the most important things of all, most of us are actually not literate. That problem should be what Francis focuses on. But instead, he is trying to bury the one place where the faith still thrives, where the people can be counted on to have and understand the faith. So, if true, when will this document be published? That letter says either in April or by early May. In the video I did yesterday, we thought it would happen before Lent. So if this one is true, then it could be sometime in April or May. Now this year, Easter is on April 9th, and it is highly unlikely that such a document would be published on Easter Sunday or a Sunday in general. But other dates that fit Francis's history of publishing on holy days observed mostly by traditionalists, despite us, do jump out on the calendar. The first would be any day during Holy Week, which runs from Monday, April 3rd to Saturday, April 8th. Spy Wednesday, the day that Judas decided to betray Jesus before acting on it, stands out and would be unintentionally appropriate. It's a likely date, as is Holy or Maundy Thursday. Good Friday is a distinct possibility as well, for obvious reasons, and the symbolism there can't be lost if that's when it comes out. None of these days should be discounted. While a Sunday is unlikely, the, the Sunday after Easter was later rebranded to Mercy Sunday, would be oddly appropriate, all things considered, though it's unlikely. The following Sunday, Good Shepherd Sunday, is also appropriate, but also unlikely because they're Sundays. They're not just, they're really not a good day to really hit people with news. But two days really jump out in May. Either the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker, which is on Monday, May 1st, or more diabolically, Francis could release this on Friday, May 5th, the Feast of Pope St. Pius V, the Pope who banned new forms of the Mass with Crope with quo primum from ever being promulgated, though to what, to what extent is debated by scholars, Pius V enthroned the apostolic mass with that act, the traditional Latin mass, as it gets called, as the mass of the Roman west of the church. That would be the most grotesquely inappropriate day to do this after Easter, which is why if I were the kind of man who made cash bets, I'd put a big bet on that day. But it also may not happen at all. I have talked about Rome's recent habit of releasing fake information to throw people off, and it casts a shadow over everything. I've talked about this numerous times in the past, but it cannot be denied that for whatever reason, Francis is moving full steam ahead on releasing documents to change the church and to do it relatively rapidly, probably because he recognizes that he has very little time left. I'll let you decide why that is for yourself, though. But for now, let me know what you thought about this in the comments, please. Do you think this is actually true? And do you think in the aftermath of Easter, in the days after Easter, that this is more likely to be true? Let me know in the comments, please. And like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help, as does sharing this on social media. That helps a lot, too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.